Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. This is the podcast where we share our thoughts after we've seen something. Uh, we have a very special episode. It's something that's been 20 years in the making, uh, and it's not one of my terrible movies that I love. Um, it's something very fantastic from Adult Swim, uh, and I'm excited to talk about it. But first, who am I? Uh, not in a philosophical sense, just who am I as your host? I am John Garcia. Uh, joining me, our usual co-host, Ryan King. Are we just going to do like voices the whole time? It's good that it's not just you and me because it would just be like 21 and 23, like the both of us just going back. And forth. <laughs> yeah, we would we would kick off by singing Mars and getting our gear on and <laughs> honking the yeah. horn in the car. It's a, such a classic scene. It, it really is. <laughs> uh, and uh, that voice you just heard is my good friend, Jimmy Sparks. Yep. Hey. Hey, Jimmy. Welcome on. Happy to Thanks. have you. Glad to be here. And also joining us, the other half of the dynamic duo that is Winter Sparks, Erica Winters. Hello. Glad to be here. Talk about a wonderful, wonderful story. Yeah. It's just show. so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. And the, the movie that we're talking about and the show, the whole series, we're just going to, we're going to go in from the movie that came out recently and then we'll talk about the series as we go. Uh, is the Venture Bros period colon radiant is the blood of the baboon heart. I'm going off the grid. Disappearance. Where is Hank? We have to find him. Preparation. Doc, we got a huge problem with the new product. We're launching tomorrow, gentlemen. Get to work. Execution. I'm in. Minions! Battle stations! Betrayal. Gentlemen, what can Arch do for you? Conspiracy. This is a threat against our very foundation. We must protect our collective from this clear combination. Negotiation. I shall take it from here. Skedaddling. You're gonna have to run away. What? Something big just went kablooey five months south. Pull your team and check it out. Blow uppery. <laughs> Tight pantsedness. There's the Venture Brothers. Radiant is the blood of the baboon heart. Oh, son of that could have been a baby's head. Now do you get it? What a name. <laughs> um, that name goes places. It's just like the movie. It really does. Yeah. Uh, it so, means everything and nothing at the same time. It's it's so beautiful how Doc Hammer and Jackson Public can create. I think there's like all of this in Gargantua 2 or something. I can't remember what the name of the other one is. Just like their names go hard. The, they don't the even. Title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't <laughs> fuck around. Nope. Um, yeah. Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon Heart is uh, for the context of everybody out there. The Venture Brothers movie that caps off the entire series because Venture Bros, it ran on Adult Swim for a really long time. It started as this Johnny Quest parody about a super science family and their goofy adventures, then evolved over the course of seven seasons into a rich series of absurd and endearing character development and world building. It was canceled before they could get season eight actually in production uh, and kind of as a consolation prize and a way to... Uh, finally make a little bit of money off the death whale of this series. Uh, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public were allowed um, a budget to make a movie to give fans enough of what we needed to, to move on with our lives and stop <laughs> wondering what would have happened. Yeah, some closure. Yeah. Um, 
I'll just say right off the bat, for anybody listening to this, if you haven't seen it yet and you're worried about spoilers, we're going to spoil the hell out of it. I oh, mean, yeah. that's going to just happen. And and if you're the one thing you really want to know is should I watch it or not as a Venture Bros fan, you should watch it. Like, yeah. I, I think that this was a fantastic, as fantastic of a conclusion as we could get under these circumstances. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that I learned about what season eight might have had and how this might have tied into it. That I was like, oh, sad. Um, But uh, with what we were given, I got a lot of good laughs. I got some sentimental moments. um, And there were enough goofy gags for me to be like, all right, good. And then also a lot of character closure that I needed. So, Like dessert. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, uh, I I don't want to really talk about much else right now in terms of my take. I would like to kick it over to... uh, our guests first. Uh, Jimmy, what did you think? First impressions of this movie. And what's your experience with Venture Brothers? Yeah, so definitely starting out, I've seen the entire show a couple times through. Um, I started watching it in college. I think probably college age is a really good age to start it because, you know, I think you're a bit more mature at that point. Um, I, I remember seeing vividly the commercials of Brock Samson like kicking people's ass. I think the the commercial was cut from like the garage sale episode, and he's like beating the shit out of some cartoon villain who's got like a socket for a face, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like an electrical socket. <laughs> that always stuck in my mind. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a fantastic show. I love it, and uh, I was very sad when season seven ended because I just wanted more, and I knew even if it didn't get canceled, it was going to be a long time until something new came out just because that's how the show goes. And so very eager to watch this movie. And when I finally did, I was very happy with it. And yeah, it was, it was lovely. It uh, did a lot to not just close off things, but make me feel satisfied that they didn't like the closure they brought wasn't just pandering or, or like yeah. to like to really close off everything. And there wasn't felt- like a, you know, it wasn't a, an, a, the entire ensemble of venture bros came back together for one last ride. There yeah. wasn't like all of that. There are so many characters in this that I was like, I, I don't know where that character is right now, but I don't really care. Yeah. Um, it, it focuses on who it needs to focus on. Um, well, Erica, what about you? How did you get into venture brothers? Blue was the one who um, introduced me. Hey, it's John here, pausing the episode from the editing booth. I wanted to quickly provide context that Blue is the nickname Erica uses when referring to Jimmy. So if you hear it again, now you know. Back to the episode. The only memory I have of Venture Bros before I actually saw the show, like as an adult, was the occasional like nights that I would stay up late to watch Inuyasha on Adult Swim, you know, sometimes you'd see like the, the re- like the commercials for, um, you know, Harvey Birdman and, you know, yep. the, and like, um, you know, uh, C-Lab 2021. C-Lab, yeah, or... exactly. Um, and then if they, like Venture Bros is sometimes like appear there. Um, but like never really, I was just like, okay, that's not, I'm interested in, in this dog boy anime you know kind of thing i'm not interested in this like scooby-doo looking show um and then but i had known like of the name like venture bros i actually thought that it was um more like archer like where they were a lot more adult people and then um when we finally like watched it, he sat me down and had us watch the show it was like what two years ago maybe yeah about two years ago um we sat down and we watched it um, over a period of like, you know, a couple weeks or so. Um, and it was just really fantastic. And it was really funny and great. Uh, and it was a lot. Um, 
it was a lot smarter than I thought it was going to be, uh, especially going into like the first season. I feel like it um, didn't uh, really, it had its moments, but it was still kind of like writing that like, haha, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, mm-hmm. kind of uh, set up. Um, and then as the seasons kind of went on, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually like great. I'm rooting for everybody in this show. Like there's not a single character I don't like. Um, and uh, and yeah, so um, I had already come into after it had been announced that it had been uh, canceled because I was like, what, like 2017, 2018 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so going into it, like I already knew like, oh, isn't the show already over? I thought this was done. Um, and then it was like, actually, it's been canceled and I'll never get that closure. But we had heard about the movie um, being made uh rumors and of the rumors of the movie yeah you know? there's a bubbling yeah there's a bubbling. <laughs> um and uh and, yeah, and then we just kind of were waiting for that and um we were really surprised when it came out because we actually thought it was going to be out a little bit um later than it actually did yeah me too there was like no it didn't feel like there was any advertisement there for was no it. pomp and <laughs> they literally no. dropped it on like a doorstep and <laughs> i found <laughs> out that it had been released on the same day that the show was being removed from um the tax uh, write-off the tax write-off yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the channel formerly known as hbo max <laughs> so you can watch the movie on hbo slash max um but you will soon not be able to watch the entire series of the show yeah um which is bizarre, but the movie itself, I agree. Uh, it's, it's a total must watch. Like if you want to sit and like live with your head cannons for the rest of your life and not get any closure, sure. Skip it, whatever. Um, but it did a great job at, um, tying up like the most important loose, um, strands and not being too, um, uh, like fan servicey. I feel yeah. like they could have done a bunch of really, over the top stuff to like you know parade the greatest you know like remember when this happened yeah bring dr henry killinger back why not exactly why not yeah exactly but they didn't do that so it felt it felt very good it felt well paced um and even though like the it didn't end with like um a flat line of like and that was the story of the venture bros um it still felt like even if you never get to see another thing of the venture bros like you know, I think it feels true to how the show has always been, where it's just like about their life as opposed to their like story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, Ryan, what did you think? Yeah. Um, luckily, they have gone back and said they're not taking the show off Max. That was some sort of confusion. But Cowards. they already okay. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> they've, Wait, ta- they've taken <laughs> off Infinity Train and other random shit off of there anyway. Mm. Like, I would like to talk today some about like the future of this mm. type of mm-hmm. you know adult animation what its future is and and a little bit of like streaming just like i, I my thing about this is buy it like yeah let's just yeah. watch it buy it like support you know mm-hmm. what this is try somehow to put your dollars to it and, and make some kind of message about this is the kind of thing you want to see um venture brothers is like the most aimed at me thing possible i feel like <laughs> um i watched i know all the Hanna-Barbera properties, like the ones that are buried under, you know, out in the desert. I've watched that Hanna-Barbera stuff when I was a kid. Um, when Cartoon Network came out, it wasn't on my channel. You know, it wasn't on my cable and I was calling and demanding it. And I would get like VHSs from my grandmother as she would w- record a whole day of oh, Cartoon Network nice. and I would watch it. Yeah. And Space Bootleg Ghost. Cartoons. Like, yeah. And like Space Ghost was this like big leap to to something else like it it's just experimental like inside joke feel 
that Space Ghost had um, really hooked me as well. And so then, yeah, I started staying up late for the early adult swim stuff. And in college, we kind of just watched everything. You said 20 years ago, John, and I was like, oh, man, this can't. And then it is. So it makes me feel really old yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to hear that. Um, I the first I didn't watch it initially for whatever reason, but we tended to watch like everything that was on Adult Swim. Like we would just turn it on at night at our fraternity house and just watch whatever. And I think the first episode that I remember watching was the the one where they end up going to Mexico, where Doc is um, like teaching. First episode ever, I think the pilot yeah, the episode. Pilot, yeah, is yeah. that the pilot? That is the pilot. Or is that? I thought the pilot was the one where the guy like jerks off onto the the laser or whatever. He wasn't trying to steal it. He was masturbating like a teenager with a fast internet connection. Master what? Like an evil master plan? No, boys. A Taku Sensuri isn't evil. He's a technology fetishist. Oh, that is the pilot. You're right. The pilot yeah, is the yeah, one yeah. with the... Uh, Which is a little bit rougher. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Destroys the city, right? Yeah. The techno ninja? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then I think it's the second. It's like the... I don't, I don't, who knows what order they put him out on. Back then, you just had to turn on TV, and then it was on. Um, <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I... Johnny Quest was a huge... Like, that was one of the ones that I, I really liked. I haven't watched the Johnny Quest reboot. Nobody knows what the fuck that was but me. <laughs> um, so the fact that this is just, like, absolutely initially skewering that type of animation. And then to go further, like, I agree. As the seasons went on, it just got so much deeper and deeper. Um all about the DVDs and then eventually Blu-rays that I got. I listened to the commentary on those and like got to know um, Jackson Public and Doc Hammer and you know they would bring on their guests. The voice work on this has always been amazing. Really, you know, I love all the voice actors on this, and this adds a few more classic actors on top of it in this movie. So yeah, absolutely disappointed to see. Is it kind of every season? It was a feeling of like. Is it going to continue? Mm. You know, there, I watch their Twitter for update of like, or X, whatever the fuck it is now. Um, <laughs> I would wait for, for their updates of like, oh, are they going to get in the, you know, are they working on the animation yet? Or they got the approval for this or whatever. And so, yeah, when eventually it kind of canceled, the fact that it had been so long, you know, kind of just felt like an inevitability. Animation was changing. The channels were changing. Streaming was the thing. And like, I was disappointed, but kind of knew like it was eventually going to happen. The rough part was that last season was such a big growth for the series mm -hmm. um, and had gone so much further and introduced so many more interesting things and taking the characters to just sort of end very cliffhanger on, on so many different threads. And I do feel like this movie closed those off. Like I, I feel like that was good. It kind of got it to reset, I guess like it kind of leaves it in sort of a reset sitcom -y yeah. way where mm -hmm. you're like, okay, we kind of closed what we needed to, but it's still there and there will be future adventures. Um, Absolutely, like, yeah, I had a blast. I loved it. Like, I watched it twice already just because I'm like, I'm, it's venture. Like, I have to go back and catch the jokes I missed. <laughs> um, the only thing that is bad is that I can see the season that's supposed to be there. Yep. yep. And certain bits that I'm like, oh, man, that was going to be more. I know yeah, that yeah. could have been more. Um, yeah. There's a style to their comedy where they let things run to kind of sometimes get a little uncomfortable you kind of can't do when you're trying to pace through like we got to get through the movie and so we kind of can't leave something and like kind of make it terrible and then bring it back to funny again um when you kind of yeah. are just like no we need to be funny we need to get to the next thing um but yeah no still absolutely like if you're a venture fan you you watch it there's no question and <laughs> i like i don't i don't believe that 
my headcanon can ever touch the headcanon that I know that the creators have. Um, that's, they have sheets and sheets on characters that are in the background for five seconds of like who they are and where they came from and all that. (laughs) Um, and yeah, just like, I'm like, I love that. I love the, and it is that inside joke feel of like, you're getting a glimpse into this world that they have. that's hilarious and you want to know more. Um, so yeah, it's sad to probably see it go. Um, yeah but yeah no it was a a good send off you just talked about how you know you're a big fan of Hanna-Barbera that got you into Adventure Bros in a way like you can recognize a lot of the references here it's I sat down with our other co-host Dixon recently and tried to watch a few episodes of Harvey Birdman Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. that show is so condensed with Hanna-Barbera DNA (laughs) that it is impenetrable from somebody who's (laughs) never seen a Hanna-Barbera cartoon Mm -hmm. Um, and he had I think an okay time because some of the gags were funny-ish, but the rest of it was like, I just don't even know what the fuck's going on. But the Venture Bros, I showed Sasha. Um, Sasha has only watched actively, I would say, half of the series because for the first half of the series, she fucking hated it. She actively was like, this is a dumb show. I don't want to watch this. Um, and I was like, just sit down and watch it with me for however long. And as the canon developed, she yeah. got way more engrossed. So, like, yep. Erica, to your point, yeah, like, the characters, I mean, Doc Hammer and Jackson Public are on record saying the first season they wrote not even knowing if there would be a second season, and so they just didn't care. Mm-hmm. And then when they yeah. they actually were, like, greenlit for a second season, they were like, oh, fuck, now we got to do something <laughs> with these characters <laughs> and actually bring it back. And it's like, they're just constantly piecing stuff together to the where even this movie has the reference to the first episode in Mexico when Hank is like, Ma ventured in, raise no fools. And Dean's like, we don't have a mom, Hank. (laughs) (laughs) But it ties in emotionally, just like the problem light does too. And Mm -hmm. the later seasons, it's, it's wild how they will reappropriate things that were initially just gags or plot devices for other episodes and make them, they expand them in this crazy way. More than just a callback. I love the characters that you know that they, after writing it and like laughing about it, they just kind of kept going. Like it was like, oh, we write this one-off character, and then it's like that guy's funny, and then they bring him back, and they're like, this guy's really funny. Let's just keep bringing this character <laughs> back, like over and over again, and then eventually they just become a character, like yeah. a main character. Is there any character that you would want to be in the movie um, that you were like, I really wished even just a tiny cameo from them? I'd be like, eh, it'd be kind of nice. I, I think I have a. An answer to that that isn't right on the nose because he was in the movie, but um, and I think it kind of goes back to what Ryan was saying, where you can see there was more of an episode there or something they could have gone through, uh, and that's really um, Billy Quizboy. He's easily one of my favorite characters. I just I find his earnestness and his sweetness really like I don't know funny and endearing, and I just like that character a lot. There's no way I'm standing in front of an anything right. Single parrot. Those boys need me. I am their rock. Oh, look at me. I have not lived enough, for I have never tasted the flower of a woman. What do you mean? Yeah, tasted a flower? Is that a direct metaphor? Because I don't take many trips down south myself. Ah, you guys are disgusting. No, I mean I haven't sampled the fruits of the fairer sex. What's with the poetry, Wordsworth? Just say it. Say, I am a virgin. I know it. Billy, that makes you the best candidate to take a ray blast. You have nothing to lose. You've never done anything. The way I look at it, it's not even murder. It's a very late abortion. Him and uh, Pete White. Uh, 
didn't really get to do much because I feel like the script cuts and stuff. I feel like they probably had more going on with fixing the help bots and or help helper, helper bots. bot helper pod helper pod. Helper That's pod. what it is. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say Billy Quizboy. I would have loved more more of uh, his hijinks, but I can't, uh, I can't remember her name um, because uh, as has been a couple of years since I watched the show. So. Uh, but Dr. Orpheus's daughter. Triana. Or Triana. Triana, yeah. I don't get it. Mm, it's an ego thing. My dad thinks that if the Outrider can travel through hell, he can too. Isn't the Outrider married to your mom? Yeah. I only met him once. I was eight. Well, if I was your dad, and you were your mom, and the you that wasn't your mom was another girl, I would never let anyone take the you, mom. That would be really sweet. It wasn't so confusing. I'm sorry. Ooh, can I pet your pussy? <laughs> Pussy hates me. She like disappeared to go and like join a coven, if I remember correctly, like to go train under magic with her mom. I think it would just been interesting to have seen like, um, because they're just like, yep, there that she went, that's what she went to do, and like she was important to like Dean, um, and like it would have been kind of interesting to see like how. Dean would anti-Riz himself um, with Triana um, now that he's, you know, uh, emotionally scarred himself because he, um, you know, what? Stole his, <laughs> stole his, his brother's yeah. trust. Yeah, betrayed or, yeah. his brother, his brother's, uh, stole his girl. Yeah. Um, and uh, What is the, uh, what's the thing Jefferson Twilight says? He poached the pooty? You'd have thought of that before you poached the pooty. Poached the pooty? Stealing your own brother's girlfriend, man. That's low down. so that would have been kind of cool to see like him be like oh shit you know like uh i can't believe because i think he was pretty like into her so like thinking about it from the perspective like i can't believe i also emotionally betrayed triana some kind of really dweeby there would have been a really Mm -hmm. cool moment to um to have him come into because what orpheus used to go and consult with uh his master in the closet right Mm -hmm. and it would have been cool to have dean have to go seek out Triona and like that same kind of situation where she's in the void training or something like that and getting an emotional <laughs> conversation there. That would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ryan, was there anybody that you were like, oh, I wish this person. St. Cloud's technically in this. St. Cloud has a YouTube channel where he uploads 1960s yeah. bikini <laughs> movies. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really funny. Yeah, that's one of those. That like, makes perfect sense. Blink, blink, and you miss it. Um, yeah, I think that it's like the there are a lot of like very tertiary characters that either you get a glimpse of them um or 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 it's just like it would be something else to add in that it's like i wish we could get them back but i do think that a lot of the things that i love are are the things that would have just taken up too much time so those like those those really really side characters that really are just like the joke because it's like we got a little bit of time with everybody, but it's not like we spent time with like shore leave more there. Shore leave, please we yeah. really spend time with them. I agree. Like was boy and Billy and, and white, like they're there, but we don't really spend time with them. Yeah. It's that kind of stuff where you see them, but it, it just sort of, it passes. It'd be funny to bring back Dr. Z and action Johnny to like, pull <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> and what is your relation to John? Why must you keep calling him John? Here's Johnny. Pesky son of my arch enemy. And since he is dead, uh, Johnny is all I have. <laughs> I don't even remember where they where they left off. Oh, well, we love John, too. Unfortunately, it's not visiting hours. If you'd like to write him a note, we could give it to him. Ah, uh, all right. I will get you, Johnny. That is so sweet. Z is probably dead by now. He was already... <laughs> 
I just remember Ash and Johnny had like a meltdown or some kind of yeah, yeah him and all the other uh, young boy adventures. Yeah, they yeah. were like, like yeah, an that, alcoholics like, anonymous esque yeah. thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the, the. I guess the character for me that I kind of wish there was more time with was uh, Sergeant Hatred. Like, yeah. I, I love. Yeah. I, I hated Sergeant Hatred when he came on initially. I was not a fan. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a they, lot of reasons to not. Yeah, like and him. part of it was, you know, they took my Brock. Like, I, I need mm-hmm. my Brock. Samson. Same reason Hank didn't like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was. It's amazing how like Hank was the surrogate for, or like the stand-in for us uh, as the audience <laughs> yeah. who wouldn't like Hatred, but eventually coming around to him, like. He just kept trying and I was like, all right, yeah, he's growing on me. And then the shit that he did was just, it got funnier and funnier. And his <laughs> crisis with Princess Tiny Feet was like its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, he really grew on me. And so I wanted to see, because I, I went back and I watched the last episode of the last season and he, that entire episode he spends trying to smooth talk uh, the woman at the counter in the hospital so yes. he can go see Hank. Yep. And he like is trying to bribe her, and then he's like, "We're we both work reception desk. It's something we could do." And then eventually, he just defaults to like, "This slab of meat is yours if you want it." <laughs> She's like, "Please get him away from me." To Dean. <laughs> and I love I love how like earnest and just unaware he is of some of that shit. Um, so yeah, I would have loved to see a little more of him in this, but was happy that he got his paces in, got to run up and down the stairs. Yeah, little literal <laughs> yeah. paces. Yeah. <laughs> He kind of got the same joke, though, that like having a heart attack. We didn't really get any other. Yeah. Yeah. There, there wasn't too much else. Um, uh, so I guess going beyond like what character would you like to see? What is it that you gravitate towards most in the Venture Brothers? Like because the characters themselves are endearing. They're also themes of like being a failure, failure. trying to succeed. <laughs> yeah. Um, a family like dysfunctional family elements like uh, these certain dynamics in it. And of course, Hanna-Barbera references and plenty of pop culture stuff that's <laughs> a packed lot of into references. It. Oh a yeah. Lot of references. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think for me, it, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the failure. It's like the trying, you know, everybody like Gary's arc is a really great example of this. Um, you know, he loses his best friend and, uh, his, his partner in crime. Right. And, uh, he goes through this whole tor- turmoil of like, dealing with that loss 24 hey 24 dude yes my master dude what is this i dream of genie what do you want i need you to check out the venture compound and deactivate the alarms i'm not a poltergeist i can't move stuff oh come on you help me all the time do i or do i just let you feel secure enough to trust your intuition no you are real real and then ultimately, you know, becomes such a reliable person for the monarch and Dr. Misses the monarch. And uh, I think there's lots of that DNA in in the show where, you know, these characters, um, some of them are very shitty, some of them suck, but like they keep trying and they keep doing the monarch keeps going after Dr. Venture, you know, and like <laughs> nothing sets him back, even if the guild won't let him do it. He'll take out everybody in his way. So, you admit that you were arching Dr. Venture with neither license nor consent from the Guild of Calamitous Intent. Oh, duh! I hadn't even heard of you schmucks yet. We have pages and pages of complaints, all signed by Dr. Thaddeus S. Venture and all filed after you registered yourself as a henchman with the guild. You, you can't see it, but he's holding them off camera so that he can still go after Dr. Venture. So, yeah, I think that's what that that kind of DNA is is what I find most appealing about this show. 
Um, I think that in terms of theme, like it's the like the vulnerability that you see deconstructing like the boy adventurer idea. The you know, you have to kind of like confront the fact that like they had to go through these very many traumatic experiences. The the show never shies away from expressing, especially with Doctor Venture, um, the vulnerability and the like he doesn't really like healthily talk about his trauma you know this isn't a show like how to teach you how to deal with you know your dad issues or anything so i don't know sometimes i wish i could just be a normal kid and go out and play with kids my own age and stuff the only people i get to hang out with are grown-ups the only time i get to leave the compound is to go someplace creepy like the bermuda triangle and then i get kidnapped by grown-ups and I'm not even sure I want to be a super scientist when I grow up anyway. But I feel all this pressure because of my foot. It feels weird telling you all this stuff. Remember, Rusty, in here I'm your doctor, not your father. Now, let's get back to it, shall we? Uh, you were telling me how you're ungrateful for all the opportunities your father's given you, and you blame me for all your problems. Um, but the fact that he is very aware of like the, the shit that his dad did to him that fucked him up, and he, you know, he understands that he doesn't to a certain point, like he doesn't really understand, um, you know, how things are supposed to work, but he does understand that something's not necessarily right, especially in terms of the family. Um, and he does talk about that with like his kids and with Brock um, and the people around him, which I think is very unique, uh, especially for like the Venture Bros, because usually that's some kind of like internal um, monologue that or, you know, a, a solo scene that you would see him like processing those emotions and then coming out over it. But it's more realistic where he complains about it and cries and boohoos. Um, and then he's like, okay, I guess I gotta. Yeah. There's, gotta there's no sequence of him laying on a, a, a therapy bed, talking to his therapist about those problems. And if there is, he completely writes that person off as a quack when they tell him the answer he doesn't <laughs> yeah. want to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, li I like that. It's an outward struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I think that for me, it, it's, the the world building makes everything seem realistic within its scope like the complex i love the like complex guild and uh hinching concepts yeah. and all like there's this whole structure of like a corporation to all of that shit that feels like natural like mm -hmm. that's like yeah i could kind of see that that being the stupidity of the way that the things work um and then it's it's kind of like funny with a the hint of like realism and the satire in there and the show can hit these notes that really you do feel for these characters and you and you feel for these situations um but i love that it's like the jokes fly in the middle of that that you kind of like you can miss them they come they come and go the references it doesn't care if you've seen those movies or heard that music or whatever it's just gonna throw it out and then keep going um it really is just like I, I, I always appreciate something where it's like this is someone in this case, too, you know, really two people who think something is funny and they just <laughs> do that that yep. they think is funny. Yep. And they, and it's like it happens to gel with a lot of people because they just have that style. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like never a moment that I feel like, oh, that was a waste of my time. And it, it just I always feel like they put such effort into reaching for such a stupid joke sometimes <laughs> yes. but i love it um and yeah i do think that's kind of one one of the things that i feel like i missed from this movie is that i, I quote 
so many things for ventures all over the place that so many people don't get. This is definitely an everyday kind of thing. I've not watched the show with my kids for multiple reasons. This is one I won't (laughs) show my kids yet. We'll get there eventually. Um, But I will show clips because they're just things where I'm like, I just have to share. Like anytime anything is blinking, I'm like, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's on, off, it's on, it's off, it's on, off, it's on. That's called blinking, boys. All the time. Every time I see something blinking. Um, and it's that kind of joke, like that and the nozzle. Please do not be alarmed. We are about to engage the nozzle. Please do not move while the nozzle is engaging. Moving will disrupt calibration of the nozzle. Please wait while we calibrate the nozzle. Please do not look away from the nozzle. Oh, yes. (laughs) Do not look away from the nozzle. Did I I love (laughs) having a joke like that, like, breathe, that it just has, like, the time for that stupidity uh or what is it uh yeah. when gentleman is like listing off all of, they, they get the note Colonel and he's gentleman. listing off like all his favorite board games <laughs> like <laughs> it's well, so think, stupid but i some, yeah i love something it. with that though is that uh like the fact they let that joke breathe so much it doesn't it takes it away from in universe feeling like a joke and more just like this look at this dumb shit this guy's doing again and like this is is just this is just who he is the nozzle is programmed to tell you to not look away from the nozzle because that's what it does you know and that's just how someone designed that in this crazy world yeah like the only time that the show really takes a second to step aside from itself is during one of the bottle episodes which one of the most iconic ones i can think of is the venture brothers in escape to the house of mummies where it just is batshit insanity nonsense (laughs) (laughs) it really but it's so much fun um and so goofy but even in that they like deconstruct like uh yeah that's that's one of my favorite things too is the deconstruction of a lot Mm -hmm. of the things behind it that's your thing i like yeah for in terms of what i love most about the show it is the fact that they are actively blending a lot of things from pop culture and thinking about them in the logic of the show and making it grounded in their own reality. Um, But then also deconstructing myths like these scenes where um, the two I can think of off the top of my head are the guy that throws the gun and escape from the house of the mummies where he's like shooting bullets at the guy and then he runs out and he throws the gun and the other henchman is like, got more bullets you know you gotta stop throwing those things and it's like yeah i know but it just looks so cool um (laughs) between that and brock actually seeking out emotional support in orpheus's spiritual circle yeah he was just this guy a guy in a butterfly suit who got in over his head and i could see it in his eyes that if i let him get away this one time he'd never come back but And I also thought, you know, kill him. What kind of way is that? And they have that mystic who has a translator. And the mystic is just like, Uh, One time, I'm on the Amazon in my canoe and I see swim the dolphin, uh, the beautiful dolphin. So I slip out of my canoe and I grab her, this fish, and then I eat this fish. How's that got to do with anything? 
Hot dolphin. You're an idiot. <laughs> That's like it. The whole bit just building to that mystic wisdom. <laughs> so absurd. But yeah, like wrapped in all of that breathing jokes is like some heart that's peeling back something else in uh story tropes or anything else it's just fun to watch i think anything where it's a two-man where it's just hammer and public going back and forth uh <laughs> they they love to use that where it's just like the two of them going on after something has finished and they just keep or going while they, something is they happening argue back and forth <laughs> yeah just that banter <laughs> yeah yeah, I actually, uh, so when I was watching their kind of 50 minute interview on this, they talked about their writing process for the show. Um, and I'll, I'll just pose the question this way first and we'll talk about it later. Is there any episode where you can pinpoint that's a Doc Hammer episode and that's a Jackson Public episode? No. I'm not that level of fan because I, I haven't watched like commentary or really gotten into the personalities of the uh, like differences between the two creators. So I'm, Love for y'all to enlighten me. Yeah, because they what they do is they like hand it off and then they split up the season and kind of write to the end. It's really interesting process because it. I was really fascinated after listening to them for the first couple seasons. Be like, how the hell does this all come together? There's no way because it, it. You know, it's why the recent Marvel movies haven't worked where they like write the end and the beginning and then like fucking figure it out while they go. Well, yeah. And the yeah. fact that the two of them are on such a similar wavelength that it. It works. The later seasons, they more they just more directly work together because it had to be so integrated. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, like I know which episodes were them, but it's hard for me to say which. Um, and they do kind of still collaboratively work because they get in. I think there's a lot of there's a lot that's figured out in the voice booth with this show. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's part of it too. Where it's like even if it is their original script, once they get it, they they let like. They let the voice actors be these characters. Um, to me, this is Warburton's like best role. This is Oh yeah. You know, I love him in the tick as well, but I'm like, this is Patrick Warburton. Like <laughs> to me, will always be Brock. Um, and I'm like, because I think he gets to add to that character and how he thinks it is and what it is and take it in directions. So it's it's tough too, where I'm like, I think there is just so much of a collaborative effort here. Yeah, I mean, actually there is a time i was at a anime convention and michael michael stanternaklis i probably butchered his last name uh was there speaking and he was talking about his experiences you know voicing dean um and others on venture bros and he talked about like the first time he was in a booth and uh with patrick warburton and like he came in and was like super just casual and like kind of like just came up and like seemed like kind of unprofessional and and uh michael's like what is what's with this guy and then he just kind of comes in and just like kills his lines and like does it in such a like the only he could do it that kind of way uh and he was his he was just like oh wow like this guy's the real deal (laughs) yeah you're in that swagger patrick warburton you're yeah (laughs) um yeah i i can't tell the difference either between the shows uh i when i was listening to them talk about their process they said that like uh doc Cameron and jackson public will work in the same room but they'll write on completely different sheets and they basically both just say look by the time you get to this part i need these characters to be here and i need them to be wearing something i don't give a shit how you do it <laughs> and then they take all of that and like merge it into a page and they like touch it up a little bit and then they're just done but it gets like oh, this episode's written by, you know, Doc Hammer. This is written by Jackson Public. And the only real differentiator they said is that 
Um, Jackson Public follows a three-act structure or usually tries to follow that. And Doc Hammer is like, I just go by kind of feeling of, I want you to laugh, I want you to be excited, and then I want you to be like this thing by the time you get to this part. Um, He's like, I don't really care about some of the structure stuff. And uh, they were like, hell, we ended some of the episodes where it was like, oh, we ran out of time. I guess it's act two. (laughs) 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 I'm just so fascinated they can be two separate people and have such a cohesive vision and trust in each other. Uh, it's a big testament to the show and to them. We talked about, um, you know, who you missed in the show or in the movie specifically. Mm. Uh, was there anybody that you think had really good moments that like you didn't expect or parts of the movie that you felt were particularly great for that character? Yeah. yeah, we haven't really talked directly about the movie itself. The, the movie like, itself is just on adventure. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's hard because it's so entangled with yeah. everything. It really yeah, is. Yeah. Um, I would say for me, I really did not see uh, the monarch story ending the way that it did. Like, I oh, had yeah. it's just one of those things where, like, the entire show as it goes on, I was like, I have no idea where this is going to go because they'd been edging towards the monarch and Dr. Venture being brothers or there's some kind of relation there. Just like that whole teased arc of them having something to see them. Uh, um, I don't know. Just like the, the hatred between the two of them shared over the course of it. I, I had no idea how it ended. And the fact that it ends with um, the monarch being defeated for a moment and then uplifted by Dr. Mrs. The monarch. Yeah. It was just moment. a beautiful moment um between them and it ended in the most venture way possible with him yep. doing his monologue in the middle of like <laughs> wheezing and like just reeling from the pain um yeah, and the fact that it's get a maneuver all over yeah being pantsed by dr mrs the monarch invisibly yes <laughs> it's just like, amazing <laughs> there's a running gag of dr venture getting pantsed he gets pantsed a lot yeah. or is yeah nude in front of people a lot yeah Ever since his uh, was it sixteenth birthday when he yeah <laughs> with the with the shrink ray <laughs> yeah I liked I like Hank as he's grown over the seasons oh, and we yeah. got a lot of Hank in the in the kind of the right ways um, here so I, I did appreciate that um, and absolutely like Monarch and and Doctor Mrs the Monarch. <laughs> and Gary have all grown so much and and the interaction and 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 really the over the last couple seasons the kind of conflict of where that went with as mm-hmm. as Mrs. Monarch you know, she's gone from sort of a gag character henchman to being the head of the OSI and her own right and power and all that and how that's kind of like pushed the monarch to the side that is all interesting and I felt like it stayed. Yeah. I feel like that stayed true to the characters um, throughout this movie. I think that was, you know, that, that, that was good and worked well. I mean, my favorite character like is Dr. Orpheus, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, a big fan of him just prophesizing like insane bullshit. Yeah. Um, it's the way he talks every time the he way talks. He t- <laughs> every, every announcement <laughs> his, he makes is great. Ah. If you'd have told me you were going to have a yard sale, I would have brought Dean's ever-growing collection of Applehead dolls. It's not a yard sale. This configuration is a portal to the second world! Sure it is. Yeah. Um, so, and I feel like in the um, later uh, seasons, I don't feel like he was as present. Um, he kind of fell off to the side, especially after they moved, because, like, you know, he wasn't their neighbor anymore. 
Um, which makes sense, you know, like people come in and out of your lives and this isn't like the, you know, the ensemble cast, this is the cameras are on the venture family. So it was nice, like seeing them, um, reappear. And the triad. And oh the yeah, triad. the order yeah, of the we, triad. We did get a, little, a moment of the full triad, um, but then it just kind of like, uh, petered down to, um, they uh, Blackula and, uh, yeah, with Jefferson Dr. Twilight and Dr. Orpheus. <laughs> yeah. And the sock golem. Um, <laughs> Yes. Chance <laughs> yeah, come yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, I was really happy to see Dr. Orpheus. I do think that the one thing that I didn't really feel was, I feel like Dean didn't get a very conclusive, like, character arc in any way. I mean, Hank comes back from Comatown and leaves his alter egos or something in the coma town oh god those alter um, egos <laughs> they're so good <laughs> um but yeah he like comes back and he has his moment and you know he you can clearly see like that he's definitely like matured in some way um and it still feels like dean is still majorly reeling from like what he did to hank and the only thing that uh he did was like write a letter of remorse and like that's like the plot threat or the MacGuffin that they use to go find Hank which is like yeah sure but that you writing that you're super sorry doesn't really mean much Dean doesn't need to have his moment here you know he's it's okay it's not like about him also coalescing into like a complete character like Hank was the one who the story was following so deeply um but even still like I feel also Dean was going I think Dean has an interesting like character um or, you know, has interesting character moments of, like, because he's posited as the next, like, venture boy, boy adventure. It's a speed science. suit, son. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the next science boy. Um, but even though he doesn't seem to necessarily be all that good at science um, or interested in it. Um, and uh, it does feel like while Hank gets the kind of mature into his own fusion of both Brock and, like, the adventurous venture spirit. It still feels like Dean's just kind of like a whiny little like shitty, you know, like just get came out of his emo phase like kid. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see them watch, see the two Venture Brothers split off because they're so different. I think that's what makes their dynamic so engaging is that Dean has always been like the neurotic and obsessive one. And Hank has always been happy go lucky. Um, he got all the and all of the Yeah, yeah. And uh, to see that whole because. I feel like the part of Hank's journey is a journey of maturity. Like Jan Hank even kind of talks about like needing to grow up uh, at some point. Um, Dean, when he discovers their clones has that whole crisis of faith and immediately yeah. just goes into this, like I fucking reject everything. I hate all of this. And he tries to grow up as fast as possible and like launch himself far away from, from, uh, from his dad. Um, and it just creates this whole cycle of trauma and abuse. Um, and to the point where like, I think the, yeah, whenever Hank is in the coma at the end of the seventh season, Dean is, as he's reading that letter, he's like, I just wish we could go back to what we used to do, um, to the things that we used to be and how we would adventure and do all these go team venture stuff together. They, they stopped doing the the go team yeah. venture thing after a while man what's your hurry what's your slowy you've gone soft on me henry allen so-called venture you used to be all go team venture but now now you're all go team boobies 
I was hoping that it was going to end on them doing the Go Team venture or something like that. They kind of did. Yeah. Did the they? Post-credits. Yeah. The, oh, if you stick around okay. the post-credits scene, they... They do the thing. Doc has like an incubator, like a... Oh, oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Actually, we noticed in that in the movie early on when they're going to um, uh, their third brother... Um, Dermot. Dermot. Dermot, when, yeah. Yeah, yeah. when um, Hank's going to Dermot to like have him come and help, and he's kicking around all his trash trying to get to the computer, he actually kicks the incubator um you know like aside and i looked at that i was like i don't remember the fuck this thing is like this weird like octopus tank what is that and then yeah the the cutscene that that's that was their little like incubator tank which is very interesting that they just he just kicks it away because he's so interested he's looking for his mom kind of technically finds it there right So much is just planted throughout, and uh, it was kind of funny, like, the way that they peel back parts of the layers. We talked earlier about how, like, all the stuff in season one makes an appearance in, like, much later seasons and has justification for it to completely change how you might experience those parts of the, the, the actual show. Like, I can't watch the Phantom Spaceman episode again without thinking Phantom of the- Phantom Spaceman! <laughs> hate Phantom Spaceman, he's a jerk. Um, <laughs> without thinking of the the problem light. It's not the problem light, it's the problem. Um, yeah. And, uh, and what's inside of it, and it's like, oh my God, there's so much here that's now under the covers of it. Um, uh, Doc Hammer said that he wanted to do an episode where they took you through the life of a henchman that had been murdered and show you, like, all of his family and like everybody that, <laughs> that loved him. Oh. And, and like, he was like, yeah, we wanted to do it after like one of those episodes. But, uh, uh, at Jackson public was like, yeah, they did it in Austin powers though. It was a deleted scene from the first one. He was uh, like, shit. Uh. <laughs> well, they kind of had the least, the life of a henchman from like being a part of Monarch's army and yeah. then going onto the battlefield. They design. had, uh, yeah, they had yeah. Venturstein. Venturstein was that. That's yeah. true. <laughs> it wasn't the like before and that maybe after Henshin. Yeah. Well, I, I did actually have one other question, uh, and it's around the movie itself. Um, do y'all think that it's better to have uh, rushed closure or a full stop cancellation for a uh, a show? Like, I know like Firefly has like Serenity. This has this uh, the Radiant Heart of the Baboon. So wait, the the uh, forced cancellation is no closure. No closure that, at all. Okay. You just get. I think I prefer no closure than than rushed. Hmm. Rushed or no closure. Um. Think about if your favorite anime was canceled, then you can. No, rush that's closure. what that's oh, the thing. That happens that nowadays, all the time. it's like <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, as an anime <laughs> fan, you get yeah. rushed closure For, yeah. and complete drop off more than you exactly. Get yeah, in you're, actual you'll just closure. be lucky if you even get a second <laughs> yeah. season at that point. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, uh, it's hard to say because I think that I would prefer Rust Closure because, um... See, I like the hope. I like not knowing uh, I see, if yeah. maybe there's a chance it'll come back. And then, like, getting the all the possibilities in your head of, like, well, yeah. maybe this is what would have happened yeah. when it's forced or, or rushed, I mean, um, and it's not satisfying. I feel like that's more common, too, where you get the, like the thing they like kind of get out there and it just doesn't feel right and it ends too quickly and they don't let things breathe and they maybe tie off too many uh loose ends way too quickly and do game of thrones yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i was gonna say as a game of thrones and song of ice and fire fan you have both 
hard yeah. stop with no resolution <laughs> and, and a Russian. I prefer the books over the. I prefer the books over the show, yeah, and I, I think yeah. I think that that's an example where I would say I there are creators who really do care, like Hammer and Public, where a rushed ending is really their chance to like put the last word in in some way. And then there are creators who are just like, oh, I get one more, like, let me get my check, which is what I feel like Game of Thrones, that last season was like, let me get my check and go on this other stuff that We're I want to go do. Star Wars and now. that rushed ending is terrible, right? Because yeah. it's just like, all right, let's get out of here. Let's close it out. And I would rather have had it just be like, it's over and left. So I think when yeah. it's a creator who really cares, I really do kind of be like, give them one more season or and like tell them ahead of time, one more season or a movie like this and be like, Hey, this is going to be it, man. I know this is your passion project. So this is all the time you get. Figure out what you want to do with it. Yeah, this is your Viking funeral. Well, and actually, that's one thing I liked about this movie is that it didn't feel like they tried to close every loose end, that they, right. they tried yeah. to encapsulate the entire series. It, they opened more questions in some cases, and there easily could be another season. Like, it wouldn't feel out of place. But yet it did have, like, a, a sort of nice... Um, closure to certain things and like it felt satisfying um so yeah i think the creators definitely matter yeah it's like the artist's last chance to kind of um you know like at least having that rush ending means that they can still get what they wanted out of it even if they don't have they can control the ending yeah exactly because like you know you don't want to leave your art unfinished like that and if you have the opportunity to to end that and you know, at least like see your vision to its completion. I feel feel like it's better to have the rushed, um, the rushed uh, ending than it is to never have a single chance. Like you know, like for like Infinity Train or any of these other like you know suddenly canceled like cartoons that they clearly had great ambitions for, but then they are just like, you know, sorry, um, we don't care about art or story storytelling. So it's about um, data analytics these days. Yeah, you had 48 episodes, now you only get 24. Sorry, figure it out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I brought it up earlier, but you brought up Infinity Train again and my heart skipped. Shattered. <laughs> uh, but talking about s- streaming and where adult animation falls in that, or just animation in general, because plenty of other things have gotten pulled as well, yeah. um, it blows my mind just like flat out, regardless of whatever it is, that I'm like, it, we're in a content war. That's been the whole fucking thing from the start is like who can jam more content on there and then there is content they have that's already digitized and they've already previously had available that they're just like yeah i don't feel like paying the residuals on that i wanted <laughs> something else that i guess is cheaper for me that i want to do and i you know i'll then like devil's advocate myself and be like i understand the complications of the technology and the hosting and we, everybody wants it, doesn't want it to load for a long time. You want it to play instantly. And there's, you know, I, I get it. But <laughs> but I'm like, it's there. I would not mind if I, I went in and I was like, hey, I want to watch Infinity Train. They're like, okay, but hang on. You got to load it. Like, come yeah. back in an hour and we'll have it all prepped for you. We're going to pull it out of the deep freeze. At least that there's that option mm-hmm. versus it being gone because that <laughs> never had a physical release. So it's just fucking gone yeah. from yeah. reality. I mean, when we bought uh, Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon Heart, um, it, we did it through iTunes or Apple, yeah. whatever, and like we could start playing it instantly, and that almost felt weird. I, I wouldn't have mind having to wait for it to like download or something like that, because I, I don't buy a lot of digital movies. If I buy them, it's usually physical. Mm. 
So uh, that experience was kind of odd. And like to your point, um, I wouldn't mind waiting to watch something if it meant that there was more content available, um, even if they had like tiers of of content like this is the stuff that's actively available this other stuff you have to like download to your machine and it takes longer because not old janky servers or whatever yeah it's it's complicated and it comes into like i mean that's a strand that spans out into other mediums too like video games have that massive problem where like only five percent of all video games are actively archived digitally in any way shape or form and we're just like constantly losing the rest of them to the digital cloud and companies that don't want to carry them on unless they can make profit on it. And it's just like, what you can't, what the fuck, where does it stop? Yeah. <laughs> and there is that, like, at least put it up for sale because I, I can understand from a, a small portion of like the streaming where you're like, well, someone, some rando watches it. Now I have to go back and pay someone for whatever this was. And I pay him more for that than I would for something else. I don't want to do that. But when you put it up for sale, it's just like you bake that into your profit model. Like, yeah. okay, this is going to be whatever. That way I can pay the residuals and I get my cut. Like, why not make money because someone would want to buy it? I'm, I'm, that's the ones where I'm really lost. I'm like, why is that not even just available for sale? Uh, and then I, my, my example I always point to is like, I can go into Disney Plus and it constantly tells me the Apple Dumpling Gang 2 is available for me to stream. Ooh, I guess if everyone that made it's dead then it's it's free to stream. I don't know. But why is that there when we know Disney has things that people do want to watch that they're not showing? Do you think that uh, Hollywood would ever learn the wrong lesson here like they have with everything else and decide that they need to hire hit squads to kill the people who receive residuals (laughs) for the shows they have to? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that that's actually what's happening, everybody. No, they're just waiting for them to all become homeless. Yeah, I'm also not not saying that. And that that is yeah, and even beyond the the animation stuff this earlier this you know this last year, but now the strike is over that mm-hmm. fact yeah. that the residuals from streaming are shittier, yeah, than they are from the purchasing yeah. anyway. And so the fact that it's like, well, I don't want to pay those extra few pennies on this, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's just so strange. And when you're getting back to what as shitty as cable was at this point, it's going to cost us as much to put together as many packages that have shit we're not interested in. Like this is the same conversation of being like. Why am I getting two golf channels when all I fucking want is another college football game? Yeah, yeah. I can't Except get that unless your... I get these golf channels I don't give a shit about. Yeah, instead of your cable, uh, uh, your cable cable, it's actually now coming out of your Ethernet cable instead. There you go. So, there you go. Yeah. But I think what's um, what feels like counterintuitive is that, um, you know, uh, with like the the rampant cancellation of, you know, or not even like, I guess, rampant cancellation, but the the lack of willingness for places like Netflix to let shows, you know, fly at all. Mm-hmm. Like there are plenty of time, you know, shows you hear that like they came around for a single season or had maybe two seasons and then they were just dropped, you know, and, and I feel like um that really ruins the... Uh, confidence of like people who are engaged with watching content on you know netflix that isn't you know if you if you wanted to watch like the great british bake-off whatever like you're fine because you know it's done and it's over and it's great or whatever if you wanted to watch something new you have no confidence that you'll ever you know like adventure bros right it was canceled Mm -hmm. and you had no idea another season was going to go out and if you if that if this show was made nowadays that would be season two, maybe, and there's 
why would you ever even want to get involved? Because you just know that the heartbreak is going to be so, so much more than you want to deal with. Like, I didn't want to watch a show to, you know, now know that I, that's it. I only get two seasons of something that clearly wanted four. Um, and it could just be dropped for absolutely no reason and then kicked off the platform too to boot. So it's like, it didn't even exist. And then by the way, the IP is locked behind, you know, their, um, you know, their, their, contracts, their, and their contracts and stuff. They can't even talk about anything. So I don't know. It's, it's very, it's, um, it's bizarre and, uh, it's honestly quite terrible. Like it's, it, uh, it, it feels very stifling, you know? Yeah. The two factors of like most of the movie and television industry being now run by like actual business suits with data analytics that back all the decisions they make instead of bold risks. And then the other <laughs> thing of them kind of sitting on any IP or property and being like, when are we going to use this again? Yeah. They just yeah. squat on it. Like, okay, we, we secured the rights. That's like how, um, God, is it Sony that did Sony make the fantastic four movies who made the fantastic four movies yeah. and continues yeah, to make those really terrible to hold yeah. those rights. Yeah, yeah. Ryan's just itching to see Craven. Um, I, I yeah. know, yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those, like, let's make garbage movies and television shows so we can hold on to rights so we can milk them for more money in the future. And it's like, yeah. you could give it to anybody who would give a shit more like yeah. this is never going to. Yeah, but I like with the animation, it's interesting talking about the Venture Brothers because I'm like, Adult Swim, at, at, like it happened because Turner was paying no fucking attention. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and they just, you know, with Space Ghost and, and some of the early stuff like C Lab and, and Harvey Birdman, it was just like, well, let's take the old animation reels we have and just fucking do whatever we want with them. And then it was like, oh, people are watching. Well, let's actually hire a few people and make something again on a really low budget and it's like and more people are watching and we kind of keep going in an era where like nothing could win after the simpsons it's entirely backwards to the way hollywood thinks about it it is oh. absolutely cheaper than ever to make literally anything anyone can make a movie that can look just as good as even the most expensive movie. But everything that, about once to move like four people, right? Five people. Yeah, it's there. And it's the same thing. We can, you know, we can have a triple A game and there are games that come out there from one developer that are blow them out of the water. Yeah. Sometimes in in even graphics or quality or 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 whatever. You know, and sometimes there's yeah. simpler ones, but they, you know, like more people put hours into Stardew Valley than they put into a lot of triple A games that came out. And like the lesson you should learn there is like, okay, well, maybe we should actually work on our craft and and find some really important voices to work with. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, Mario and uh, Spider-Man cost a lot less than most of the movies that came out and made a lot more than they yeah. did. And Indiana Jones cost four times. Million? Yeah. yeah, four and a half times what Spider-Man cost and made less. Yeah. Uh, and once you take into all of the trying to go around and have Harrison Ford talk to everybody and advertisements and billboards and whatever, like the, the ballooning costs on something like that, it's ridiculous to then not get the returns on it when you're like, why did you make this movie in the first place? You just thought for sure that you're like, well, just Indiana Jones, people show up like it's yeah. guaranteed. People love indie. Yeah. Yeah. Which maybe in, back in the day you could. And I think it's funny you talk about magazines. I'm like, because they controlled that. Yeah. Right. They had, they owned the magazines. magazines. Yeah. yeah, they owned the news. The news didn't run all the time. There wasn't somewhere to go hear random people talk yeah. about a thing. 
right? You only had their approved outlets. And so people just kind of went to that. And they still think it works that way. And they've kind of been trying to to zero in on like, let's just get them to the things we know will be successful and we'll just drive them to just that mm-hmm. and milk it. And it's like, no, people keep going off and giving money to people on Kickstarter for whatever fucking reason. And I don't understand why. Why aren't they coming <laughs> and watching my movie? They're like the Grinch up on the hill. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good time to take a break and say this is sponsored by Paramount Plus. Uh, Paramount <laughs> Plus, where all your favorite shows from Desperate Housewives to, uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was a real no, thing. No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, this oh, no. Is <laughs> no we, I don't segue. think anyone would. Vehemently I don't think anyone don't in any have... media would sponsor us. Yeah. No. They wouldn't want it at the end. This of is sponsored by Raid Legends. <laughs> Well, all of that said and done, two final questions to close out here. Uh, would you recommend the Venture Brothers and would you recommend the Venture Brothers movie that closes it? I think that we already said it at the beginning for the movie, but might as well say it again. Uh, Jimmy, would you recommend the Venture Brothers to friend, family, anybody? Yes. Yeah, so I would absolutely recommend both. I would actually not recommend starting with the movie, uh, yeah. but I think that's probably pretty obvious to a fan but to non-fans it, you know oh there's a movie why not start there it's not a great starting point um so yeah i it's it's a gem it's a really really special show and if you give it a little bit of time you'll you'll understand why yeah a hundred percent i recommend um venture brothers um i think that it manages to capture a really um after the first season, let's put a little asterisk on there. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of those, one of those classic. You gotta, you gotta watch this number of episodes first, guys. Um, make your make make it through the first season. If you watch a couple of season, episodes of the first season and you're not really feeling it, maybe just skip to a couple like you know, because in the beginning it's still pretty episodic, so it doesn't hurt too bad if like you just do a little fast forward to see if you're gonna like what happens. Um, and then if you like that, then you can you know kind of retrograde go back. Um, but I think that it manages to um, do a really great job at making a, com- a, a comedy show that doesn't feel um, doesn't feel stupid. Um, it feels really funny. And it, I feel like every laugh I, I have, it earns every single laugh, which is pretty rare, um, especially for a show that has, um, you know, this number of seasons and multiple movies. Um, yeah, um, don't start with the movie. Terrible idea. Um, although I can understand why people would be confused considering that the movies are not necessarily named in any kind of sequential like identifier or anything like that. It's just the brilliance of the baboon heart. And you're like, this is cool, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, yeah, no, definitely like don't skip on the movie either. Like just treat it like the um, the what, eighth um, season that we'll probably, you know, that we're never really going to get. So, and then, and then live with the joy of the venture bros in your heart. Go team venture. Go team. Venture. Um, Ryan, <laughs> would you? Yeah. I mean, I, t- I totally recommend the venture brothers. I think it's, it, it really is just a fun ride. The comedy, the style of it, 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 it is that first season. It's kind of trying to find its footing. It is still that like, satire of the type of show before it kind of hits like letting the characters be there i do think oddly i don't think it matters if you skip around much uh (laughs) until the later seasons where it really does get cohesive because those first few seasons like there are episodes like where you're like did i miss something 
Like, why is this <laughs> happening? Definitely the like, what is it? The house of the Escape from the House the of Mummies Part Two. Yeah, that's definitely Part Two. Where you're like, like yeah, yeah, it's that's exactly. If you just watch an episode out of context, you would feel like that, and that is an episode that is. Oh, it's there, a different so timeline, really isn't it? I think so... you would only, yeah, if you get it, if you skip ahead and you're like, oh, I'm enjoying this, you go back and watch it, and you only get more depth. I don't feel like you really necessarily lose anything. I agree. The movie doesn't even try to hold your hand at the beginning. Most modern movies will try to be like, oh, okay, this is part seven of a series. We know people are now showing up and have no clue what's going on. Let's go back and give them enough to go on. This movie doesn't give a shit mm-hmm. about yeah. if you know what anyone is or any relation or anything you, you need yeah. to know coming in. I was like, um, forgot a little bit going into it. I was like, wait, what the, what, where the fuck? It's like, where are we? Where did Hank <laughs> go? <laughs> what's what wrong with on? Hank? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like I, and, and for a venture fan, like this, it, this is, I always worry. And, and just because there was so much time between some of the seasons, if you're going to be able to come back and hit the same feel yeah, um, and like Arrested Development coming back, they didn't, they didn't, I think they knew they couldn't and that's why they changed it towards the end. And at least they tried, yeah. but I feel like uh family guys one where it's like, they didn't remember how they made that show. And when they came back, they made something completely different. They forgot how the hell it worked. Uh, but I guess you get hammer and public together and they just, do what they do and it didn't matter what what else is going on and whenever you pull them together they're they were right back on it um and so yeah this feels like it just was one day after the end of that last season yeah um i also would recommend it in the exact same order everybody's already recommended it please don't watch the movie and then go watch the show the movie's gonna be really confusing and you're gonna miss some of those highs that you probably get if you just watch the show through i will say i did have a strategy for like the first season's approach which is watch like one or two of the first episodes and then skip to the last two episodes which is the trial of the monarch and Mm. there's a lot of like they're leading into they kind of yeah the mecha shiva uh, oh yeah mecha shiva <laughs> um and they they lead into what season two will eventually be like where they have to pick up and so you can kind of start a little bit easier there and i feel like season two starts with pretty heavy like uh character stakes of you're like seeing all of this dramatic time because the all the the end of season one i won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it um but just like the way that that goes it, it can hook you <laughs> Yeah, um, don't spoil, you know, season one, even though we just spoiled the entirety it's fine. of the movie. <laughs> it's fine. Well, well yeah, I didn't spoil the plot that. beats in the rest of the season, so <laughs> I, I want you to experience your highs. It's, when the, you... it's the journey. Yeah, it's about the journey. Um, yeah. But yeah, when characters show up and when other things happen, it's delightful. And yeah, to, to Ryan's point, too, I think about a show like, not to say that Futurama is bad every time it's come back, but it's always been just it's a little bit different. less magic. Yeah. And there's a little mm. bit of difference here. Yeah. And this show just always hits it out of the yep. park for me um, i feel like there was like one futurama movie i really enjoyed and then the other one yeah not that great and then the seasons they've produced since they've been pretty pretty hit or miss and uh, yeah 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 but this has always been really consistent yep. um mm-hmm. yeah i would say this the show if you give it your time and your patience like i tried to get into star trek the next generation and people were like don't watch the first three seasons skip past all that shit and get to season four and just go and i was like <laughs> That's such a weird endorsement of your show, but I understand. <laughs> the yeah, first oh, half is shit. Yeah, but like for Venture Bros, it is like that first season, it's got some gags that'll come back canonically later. Sure, maybe you can watch that later after you've experienced them in the mm-hmm. rest of the show. But um, 
honestly, like if you jump in at season two, you're fine. You'll be good to go. Uh, well, yeah, I'm going to close it out here for the episode. I've been your host, John Garcia, and with me has been our guests, uh, Jimmy and Erica. Thanks for hosting. Yes, thank you for having us. And uh, Ryan King. Ryan, you want to say your name? Spanakopita. Spanakopita. <laughs> Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.